Welcome to the white sandy beaches of Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico. In this tropical paradise, paradise. with its angelic views Cicales. and majestic mountains, a horror will be unleashed. The Elimination Chamber, a structure specifically designed to punish the human body. Two miles of chain, 36 feet in diameter. On this heavenly island, six men. Triple H, Chris Benoit, and Chris Jericho, Batista, Randy Orton will battle in hell. Satan's structure itself. The one who can defeat the other. Yes, I put the body on the line. Overcome the distractions. The special referee, Shawn Michaels. And survive the chamber. The elimination chamber. Will leave paradise as champion. And now, Roar presents WWE New Year's Revolution. Hello again and welcome to the final Retro Wrestling Podcast of 2017. I'm Intern Alex, joined as always by... The one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. And Patrick, since it is the end of the year, want to give out some year-end awards to some of our favorite wrestlers, but we do have a couple of news items to cover before we get there. What do you have for us this week, sir? I only have one. Uh, I want to spend a little time on it. Uh, Tom Zink. The Z-Man from WCW has passed away. Yeah, he actually passed away on December 9th, but the news didn't come out until a couple weeks later because uh, the obituary was published uh, a couple weeks later. He was only 59 years old. He retired in 1996. He ended up in the American Wrestling Federation after, yeah, a pretty long career in WCW. I mean... In those early 90s WCW pay-per-views, anytime you needed an opening match or anytime you needed a fill-in, it always seemed like the Z-Man would show up. Not exactly a memorable character, other than being called the Z-Man and Tom Zink. I mean, he would later have sort of a career resurgence in the early 2000s because uh, the show Live Audio Wrestling and some other wrestling uh, internet-based shows then, they weren't podcasts, they weren't downloadable then, He was a frequent guest and a frequent contributor uh, from about 2000 to 2003, and then after that sort of just dropped off the radar, but was a favorite amongst uh, wrestling interviewers, had a lot of great stories, and uh, dished a lot of dirt, and was uh, very popular amongst internet fans, but had, yeah, dropped completely off the radar for many years uh, until, of course, this, this news that he passed away. So, yeah, very sad to see Tom Zink go. Uh, we've actually had a pretty good year as far as not losing a ton of wrestling legends. Uh, yeah. But, of course, we lost Bobby Heenan, we lost Lance Russell, and now we lost Tom Zink. So, yeah, it's uh, it's crazy how, um, how you have years that are really major and then some that aren't. Uh, Tom Zink also attended the same high school as Kurt Hennig, Rick Rude, Nikita Koloff, and Barry Darso. 
So there you go. He was in uh, the same high school with all these other wrestling stars. That's it's a pretty good class right there. Yeah, good uh, pro wrestling class coming out of that high school. So, yeah, the Z-Man, he will be missed, and uh, he'll certainly pop up from time to time on this review show as we go back in time to old WCW shows. Yeah, I always loved uh, watching him wrestle. Very entertaining. And uh, he was the type of person that if you needed a uh, a show starter, man, he could he could get the crowd going out of the gate. So he will be missed tremendously. Wanted to also mention, uh, we talked about it last week, the XFL. Vince took out a hundred over $100 million in WWE stock, sold it off. So looks like this thing's getting pretty serious. So we shall see what happens. I, w- I want to see this happen, but I want it to be the XFL all over again. Well, we'll no, see. no rules football just sounds freaking awesome. I don't I don't think it's happening. And finally, uh in the news desk, well Patrick, we'd been predicting it for months. The Women's Royal Rumble is official. Yeah, we I would go on a limb and say we were the first ones to predict this way ahead of any any other people, any other news or anybody. As soon as those women showed up on Raw and SmackDown, those NXT call-ups, the May Young Classic, it all just pointed to a we, women's yeah. Royal Rumble. We pointed it out, I think, long before anybody, and so uh, it's uh, it's out. It's it's set. So be advised, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to see Ronda Rousey win the women's Royal Rumble. Now, there's some reports out today, though, that she's filming a movie that's going to be taking place in another country. I believe it's in Bogota uh, during the during that time. And that her deal isn't finalized yet. Now, the article also went on to say, well, maybe they can finalize something, fly her in, make it a big surprise. Who knows? I was going to say, it's not one airplane flight is not that big of a deal. Well, the rumors are out about the 2018 Hall of Fame class. We oh, just, yeah. We just talked about it a couple of weeks ago on the show. He, about guess who, what? He just held the undisputed heavyweight champion. He held the universal or title. The universal, I'm sorry. It's disputed because there's another belt. See, they can't call him undisputed. Yeah. Because there's a dispute. Yes. But yes, the uh, the rumored headliner, and I didn't even think about this, you know, when I was talking about Undertaker, Bill Goldberg. Naturally, I mean, he was just there. I should have. I should have known. I mean, I think I said it at the time. Bill Goldberg definitely Hall of Fame class next year. I just sort of forgot. Yeah. It seems like it seems like WrestleMania 33 happened 10 years ago. I hate to be an asshole about this, but and this is not a knock on Kurt at all. But it's kind of getting to where the undercard of the Hall of Fame is better than the main event. Like we had DDP, Rock and Roll Express. We had all these guys going under Kurt Angle. So Well, I'm not saying the Glamazon is going to outrank Kurt Angle as no, far as... but I'm just saying, though, that there are some that I would have rather have had been more of a higher-up headliner, and they didn't really get that opportunity. Uh, following his big retirement match in Ring of Honor, uh, Bubba Ray Dudley appears to be done for the moment, so the Dudley boys are the tag team rumored to be going in this year. Your pick, you were right about this, Ivory. Ivory is your uh, female pick. It's about time, man. Uh, the dead person, Bam Bam Bigelow, everybody's favorite celebrity wing member, Kid Rock. Oh, hell yeah. 
No. Oh, hell yeah. No, that sucks. Hell yeah. Kid Rock. Now, I, I would be okay with Kid Rock. He has done quite a bit performance. They've used a lot of his music for pay-per-views. But at this, then that means we have to have Saliva in. We have to have Drowning Pool in. Motorhead. No. Why isn't Motorhead in? I mean, Lemmy won't be there to accept the award. But And this is just a rumored list, but yeah. this, is what's, this is what's going around. Uh, this is from Dave Meltzer, by the way. Dave Meltzer, uh, Meltzer wrote that Batista was the one considered, was high on the list this year to be the headliner, but uh, Batista actually seems interested in doing one more wrestling run. So they didn't want to put him in before. And I don't know why, run. because the crowd's going to hate him, just like they did last time. Well, if he comes in as a heel, it'd be perfect then. So well, I think with his work from Guardians in the Galaxy and stuff, and if he comes in as a heel, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, I really do. I last time was not his fault, uh, but I'm not. I'm not high on this Hall of Fame class, but I haven't been high on the Hall of Fame class in in a while. So I was pretty high last year. Of course you did, because we went to it. So, yeah. Pretty high last year. But. No, I, li- I like DDP's speech, but that was it. I thought Kurt Angle, in that situation, there's you can do some comedy. You can sneak comedy into it. I mean, DDP's speech had comedy into it, but, like, Kurt Angle just came across as fake, as phony. And he was just doing a bit, and I just didn't. For a headliner, I just don't want that, you know? Yeah. You know, it's certainly not a Bobby Heenan speech, you know, that's like, yeah, Bobby Heenan had tons of comedy in it, but it was also very serious and very, the guy really, I I felt what he felt, you know, I felt that he took it as a big honor. And if you're not going to treat it like a big honor, which I mean, Kurt probably feels that it's a big honor, but it certainly didn't come across that way to me. Yeah. It came across to me like a comedy segment on Raw and... That's just my opinion, but uh, what was your other news item? Oh, a uh, little Chattanooga news. World of Wheels. Oh, custom, yeah. Custom auto show. It's a uh, car show here that hits uh, Atlanta, Chattanooga, and Birmingham, Alabama, and it does once a year. So in January, we're coming up to it. They've announced Daniel Bryan is going to be here signing autographs. A huge get for World of Wheels. I... It's tough to gauge Daniel Bryan's popularity in the South. I think if this was in Seattle, where he's from, the Pacific Northwest, uh, big, bigger wrestling markets. Not, I mean, Chattanooga was at one point a hot wrestling market, but um, if this was in Philly, Chicago, somewhere that were they're just people that love Daniel Bryan. Just, I, I'm yeah. not sure how he performs. In southeastern United States, it's right. it's definitely not going to be the Undertaker, where you yeah. had to wait hours and hours to. Oh yeah, dude. I mean, hell, I got there five hours early and stood in line before he even showed up. And I almost think that he's doing this because he had already done a campaign event for Kane in Knoxville. I almost think he's just stopping here on the way to Knoxville. Yeah, and he can make a quick buck and sign some autographs and be on his way. But yeah, it's cool that he's he's coming through town. It's unfortunate because everyone's going to be asking him, uh, are you getting back in the ring? And Because uh, his contract's up in September, 90 days after that. So it's going, to be 20, it's going to be 2019 before we see him again in the ring. And so I'm sure everyone's going to be asking him about it. He's not going to be able to say anything. So that's kind of unfortunate. But it's been a while since they brought a real high-profile wrestler there. I mean, the last 
the last one I went to as part of the radio station, Virgil was at. So that's the level that we've come from. Last one I went was when they brought Kevin Nash the other the other couple years back. So did he show up? Yeah. On time? Yeah. Wow. That's impressive. And a Vol shirt, none, nonetheless. So. Oh, what a homer. Wow. Uh, Cheap pop. Yeah, that I feel like that's a big big draw for them and uh which I always love to go to the uh World of Wheels anyway and uh and look at some I don't like cars. the World of Wheels. Really? No, I don't car shows don't do a lot for me. There was a car show here when I was very very young. It was in kindergarten. I actually got My dad dismissed me early from school so I could go to it and they brought actual NASCARs. Like it was like a NASCAR car show and so they had stock cars and I got to hang out uh since my dad works for an auto parts company. We got to hang out at the Pennzoil car station, yeah. which Michael Waltrip drove at the time, and that was awesome. And uh, there was like the Dale Earnhardt car was there, like all. I think NASCAR should do this more often, but that was fun for me because I yeah. I like paint schemes and stuff like that. As far as you know, custom cars, you know, go. I'm just not. That's just never something that's appealed to me. Like, I almost like. I know you're into like those model cars and stuff like yeah. that. That that's more appealing to me than the actual cars. And some cars that that get in there, I mean, you pay an entry fee to you can park whatever you want to in there. So you, sometimes you walk in there and there's just like a '96 Mustang, yeah, and nothing's done to it, and you're just like, "What is this doing here?" Yeah. All right, Patrick. It's the end of the year, so let's hand out some end of the year awards. We'll stick with just WWE wrestlers because that's what we follow the most. We'll start with best male wrestler of the year. AJ Styles. Well, I think we're in agreement because I will say AJ Styles as well, though I will give an honorable mention to Braun Strowman. Mm. Because Touche, I agree. But he's gonna win an award later on from me, so and I want to give an honorable mention to Alistar Black from NXT, who I think is is well on his way to being a, a megastar in this business. Up next, we have Best Female Wrestler for 2017. Uh, man, she was my pick last year. I got to go with her again, Charlotte. I'm going to take this year Alexa Bliss, and not for her in-ring work, but her mic skills. Her in-ring has improved. She has far exceeded... I even think she's eclipsed Charlotte as far as being the top female on the roster and eclipsed. And it's not it's not so much her, it's the booking of the other women wrestlers too, yeah. especially on Raw, but she is so out in front of every other woman on Raw. And that includes Asuka, who is technically the best wrestler, but has been booked so poorly since coming to the main roster that She's just another face in the crowd at the moment, so maybe yeah. next year my vote will change. But at this at this juncture, I think Alexa Bliss has eclipsed even Charlotte as being the top women's wrestler on the roster. Up next, we have best match, match of the year. I'm going to it, – it was a throw-together match. I don't remember what pay-per-view it was. Ben Balor. No, I remember it's when they had the whole, like uh, – Smallpox or whatever. TLC. Yeah, TLC. It was Finn Balor versus AJ Styles. When they threw that together last minute and brought AJ in from SmackDown to be a part of the Raw pay-per-view, that match, they pulled that off absolutely outstanding. Mine will be from NXT TakeOver Chicago. 
Tyler Bate and Pete Dunne, the uh, UK championship match, which I thought was just yeah, you showed fantastic. me that match, and I hadn't, I didn't see it until you, had, I hadn't seen it till you had showed it to me, just uh, about a month back or two months ago, and it it is, it's a very hard hitting, hard hitting, uh, match. Worst match of the year. I think we're gonna be in agreement on this one, but you can go ahead. I hate to do it to him because I love KO a ton, but this is back at uh, setting up for WrestleMania, KO and Goldberg for the world title. Yeah, but you can't even count that as a match because it's just a, an angle to get the belt. I know, on. but man, it was so shitty. Dude, it was so fucking shitty. For a world title match? Come on, man. Well, my worst match, hands down... We're not in agreement then because my worst match of the year is House of Horrors, Bray Wyatt, and Randy Orton. I would say most of my contenders for worst match of the year include Bray Wyatt. Um, he is not my worst wrestler of the year. Who is your worst male wrestler of the year? Pretty tough, man. Um, I can tell you who my worst wrestler of the year is, and uh, it's it's easy uh, who's for your, me. Who's your Baron Corbin. And really? it's close because I would put Dolph Ziggler right there beside him See. and Bray Wyatt. They're all in the mix. But Baron Corbin has risen above and beyond the worst. He is the worst in-ring performer. He has no mic skills. He has no character. Uh, he's made to look like a fool. He's got no look. Uh, there's people that are in the NXT roster that have his similar look that are a million times better. He was only brought in because he was a football player. And I think that he just stinks. And I would go with you. If I had to say my own, I'm going to go with your pick. But a, a notable mention is, uh, and this isn't because of his workability, because he can work a match tenfold. It's, uh, it's just the fact that WWE squandered it away with, uh, with the use of, of him after the crowd got behind him. And that's, uh, that's James Ellsworth. Oh, well, that's an easy way. That's the easy way out. I mean. No, I mean, I'm serious. I love James, and he's a hell of a wrestler, but they fucked him over and pretty much killed what he had going from the get-go. But, yeah, no, I'm I'm definitely going to go with you on on uh, Baron Corbin. Who's the worst female wrestler on the roster in 2017? Alicia Fox. <laughs> See, I was gonna say Alicia Fox, but then I thought Alana did or Alana Lana had a title match against Naomi. Alicia Fox. No, there's no arguing it. Alicia Fox. <laughs> but actually my vote is Tamina. I think Tamina is trash. Really? Yes, and she has been on this roster way too long. Are you serious? Yes, she stinks. Nia Jax is ten times better than they've already got a replacement. Nia Jax is ten times better than Tamina. Tamina has done nothing since she's been on this roster, just like Alicia Fox, wow. and continues to disappoint week after week. Near botches stuff left and right, nearly injured Charlotte a couple times this year. Damn. I'm just I I'm done with Tamina. I think Tamina Snuka is the worst female wrestler. Yeah, but you just don't like her dad, too. That has nothing to do with her father, because I can look past that. Okay. It's the fact that she's still employed, and Alicia Fox, believe me, is a very, very close second. They're all, they're neck and neck. Who was your best booked wrestler of the year? Who? Goldberg. They booked him to look like he was a fucking million dollars. It's hard to argue that. 
I'm going to say. They took a 59-year-old man. He's not 59. How old is he? He's like 50. Okay, 50. All right. For a 50-year-old man, and they book him to where all he has to do is a spear, a jackhammer, and a punch, and a kick. And get a four-month title run out of the damn thing, they made him look like a million bucks. That actually probably is the correct answer. My pick would be Braun Strowman, although that the Lesnar match really hurt him. Uh, losing to Reigns, it seems like, constantly kind of hurts him. But other than that, I think they've done a great job bringing along Braun Strowman because at first I thought this is just another empty big man. You know, a guy that, that, that's not, that can't move, he's got no personality, can't speak. Yeah. But they embraced the crazy cartoon character side of him. Yep. And now it's something that people love. And uh, over the weekend, we're, we're recording this over Christmas, uh, they did a parody of him in the elf suit from Elf walking up and down the street. And it, really? is, it is phenomenal. This guy is, he's got range. He's, I mean, he's got range as a performer. Like, he doesn't always have to be a monster. I don't want them to go the comedy route of the big show with him, but I'm just saying he's totally capable of doing it. And so I think he's been booked the best. But you're actually right. Goldberg, even though some of it started in 2016, yeah, I mean, that was the best booked wrestler. Yeah. Who was the best booked female wrestler on the roster? Natalia. I think she was a sinking ship, a sinking ship, and they turned it around, put the damn title on her, and got three or four months out of, of, of her of great storylines and great matches. I'm going to say the best booked female this year. I mean, I'm, I've got to say Charlotte Flair is the best booked female um, because the company just builds her up so well. Yeah. Actually, no, I can't. I've got to change my boat. The best. Vote the best booked up until her main roster call up has been Oscar. She's undefeated. She has an undefeated streak. She's never been beaten. How can you be booked any better than that? So, that's true. That's the Goldberg booking. But here's so. the thing: she's going to turn into that, and once she's beaten, then what the hell? You know, you don't want to ride everything you got on that. And I think that's what they're slowly doing. Who's the worst booked male wrestler? Back to what I was saying, James Ellsworth. You called him the worst wrestler. Yeah, I, I was I was wrong on that because I went with Baron Corbin, your pick, for oh, okay. worst wrestler. But for booking wise, they dropped the ball. They fucking dropped the ball on a on a kid that the fans were behind, and the fact that he had a there was really there was true passion in wrestling. For a long time, there hasn't been. Once again, there was true passion in wrestling between the fans and a wrestler, and WWE fucked that up. James Ellsworth was the worst booked, and it wasn't against him. It's just how they they dropped the ball. Uh, my worst booked, it's another tough one between some of the same guys. It's between Dolph Ziggler and Bray Wyatt, and I'm going to have to give it to Dolph Ziggler. This guy is completely lost. He has been lost all year. He's been lost the year before that. Um, in ring, still solid. Solid yeah. performer in the ring. Yeah. But his promos are terrible. He needs a change in character. They tried to give him this gimmick-stealing character, and then it was the character that I'm too good for a gimmick. They brought the spirit squad back with this guy. 
the booking was terrible for him, and they have taken a great in-ring performer and a guy that really, I think, needs to turn in his notice and get back to the indies and, and rehabilitate his career. But terrible, terrible, terrible. It's book. on life support right now. You're right. His career, he, is, it's on life support right he now. He won the U.S. title on Sunday, Patrick, and you know what they booked him to do? Lay it down in the ring on Tuesday and just give it up. So, yeah, this guy is completely lost at sea. Best pay-per-view of the year. I'm going to say TakeOver Chicago because that featured the Johnny Gargano, Tiamaso Ciampa uh, turn that was big, and then, of course, Ciampa tore his ACL, so they couldn't follow that up. But the, it was a shocking turn, and it also featured my favorite match of the year, Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate. WrestleMania would be up there. As far as main roster shows, yeah, I'm still going to... A notable mention if we're gonna if you're gonna separate it, a notable mention I'm gonna go with NXT uh uh War Games. That was a great pay-per-view. yeah that was that's a notable mention. But I'm sticking with for main roster WrestleMania. I think SummerSlam would actually I think SummerSlam might edge WrestleMania for me just for the main event alone because it had the four big dudes. Yeah, it had Samoa Joe. Yeah. Brock, Braun, and Roman. Yeah, I'm, and it's it's not Roman's fault, but Taker in the condition he was in for that main event at WrestleMania that should not have closed the show. I mean, it should have because it's his last match. But well, I'm I'm putting it on. Here's here's why I picked Mania. I'm booking it off of this. It was Goldberg's last match. Okay. It was. The Hardys returned. Taker's last match. The Hardys returned. We saw an outstanding match that blew the crowd away, in my opinion, that nobody expected between AJ and Shane McMahon. You're so high on that AJ match. That that AJ and Shane tore the house down. Brock and a, Goldberg was match of the night, though. I, I loved it. It felt a like solid. a heavyweight fight. Yeah, that's a good solid. I, I agree. The freakiness of it, I enjoyed. I know you hated, but... Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania? Well, you can't do all that shit and then just lose. And that's what he did. That's my uh, problem with everything about Bray Wyatt. Yeah. Is because it's fine if he wants to be Mr. Serious Scary Man, but you got to win a match every once in a while. And not on Raw. I A few months back, he responded to, in an interview. He was like, people say I don't win. Do they not watch Raw? I'm like, dude doesn't fucking count, man. That's like saying you win at a house show. Yeah. You got to win when it counts. When the belt's on, the, you were coming in as the champion. His championship reign lasted all of, what, two months? Yeah. Pretty sad. Yeah. Especially when Randy took everything from him in the in the build. Randy burnt down the compound, dug up Sister Abigail, burned yeah. him to the ground, dis, disbanded the Wyatt family. Yeah. And then won. Clean. So, yeah, that ends our, oh, worst pay-per-view of the year. Do you have a... Oh, worst pay-per-view of the year? I think we're both unanimous in this. WWE Battleground 2017 with another Punjabi prison match featuring the return of the great Kali. I love Kali. Ah, fuck off. Great guy. Good good friend of mine. Great guy. Good friend of mine. Okay, President Trump, thank you. Yes, great guy. Good friend of mine. No, he's... Terrible. The match was terrible. The match was shit. <laughs> the Punjabi prison is shit. I don't know why they decided to bring it back. 
Jinder's title run was a complete disaster. Luckily, he he escaped all my awards, so he he made it out. Well, I want to make a notable mention here as well. Last year, if you go back and listen to our year-end review, we uh, I said I was going to make Jericho's list. I made the list in 2018 or 2000. Did you find so. it and write it on it? I did. But you did know you what? order the counts. list from WWEshop.com? I did, but it still counts. So, uh, no, in all seriousness, uh, predictions for 2018. What do you have? I mean, I'm just going to take the safe bets here and say that Cena gets to 17. I don't know who he gets it against. Uh, probably someone on SmackDown. I hope it's not AJ, but I assume that he gets to 17. That's and, a and, safe bet. Uh, I think Cena gets to 17. Roman Reigns wins, gets crowned again at WrestleMania. Money in the Bank is a dual-branded pay-per-view. I think maybe Finn Balor wins Money in the Bank. I think we see Nakamura and AJ at some point next year. That might be the Mania match. We'll definitely see another roster shakeup. And I think you'll see uh, Woken Matt Hardy in a title match. I think that'll be a... Uh, Let's see Woken Matt Hardy getting a title run. Small one, but getting one. I see Braun Strowman getting a title run. Definitely. I think, unless they're saving that for next Mania, the one after this one. I see Ronda Rousey making her debut. It's not at Mania. I don't see it happening. It will happen sometime in 2018. I also see, uh, like you said, Nakamura, AJ, the reemergence of another legendary wrestler. Same idea with what they did with Goldberg. I see WrestleMania being shit. And I hate to say that. But as of right now, that's my prediction. WrestleMania is your big show. It's looking pretty bad. You got to, for me, and from rumor mills and things that I've heard throughout the locker rooms, it's looking pretty rough. Well, look, I mean, we went to a WrestleMania in New Orleans, and I would have gladly went back had they given me a better main event other than Brock Lesnar and Roman Reigns. I don't want to see the same match every single year, and I know that it's a different competitor. I don't want to see the same guy in the match every in the title match every single year. I know, I know they did it with Cena for a while. Yeah. But I don't I think that's bad for business, number one. Um, and number two, I'm I'm sick of seeing it. I've seen it. I saw Brock and Roman three fourths of the way until Seth Rollins cashed in his money in the bank. I've already seen the fucking match. Yeah. I know what to expect. Yeah. And then I've seen Roman take on the Undertaker in a title match. I've seen Roman take on Triple H in a title match at Mania. It all ends the same way. With the dude throwing the fist down fireworks going off i just think we've crowned him he's already won it the first time and we keep making it like he's winning it the first time or that he's the underdog right i just i can't do it i I can't do it this year no roman's terrible flat out roman's roman is shit and i don't even think i think he's improved as a wrestler in the ring in the last year i don't even think that i think flat out from start to finish, he needs to be took down a notch because he is nowhere near in any way, shape, form, or fashion. He's nowhere near being a good enough competitor to main event. I just don't think he has the charisma to carry the company. No. And that that's my biggest problem. With it. I find him to be boring. It's not even that... And I've said this many times. I don't have some kind of 
hatred for him. I just find him to be boring. I don't have hatred for him either. I really wish him the best of luck, but he has dropped the ball so many times, in my opinion, that you got to change and go with, you know, go with something new. If they can't do it, don't keep forcing it. Go with something new. And, you know, I would be sort of excited to see the return of Kurt Angle, but they've sort of already spoiled that, too. I mean, I know it's not been in a singles match. Yeah. Already did it. Blew that. Think we're going to see the last match of Shane McMahon in 2018, or do you think Shane no. will keep going? I think Shane will keep going. Really? Yeah, he, because he... I don't know, man. He's these in last, good shape. These last few are starting to really take a toll on well, him. Well, this though. man sweats more than anybody I've ever seen in the ring, but I think... I think he enjoys it. He likes it. And I think, naturally, I think the WrestleMania match is Kevin Owens and him or Sami Zayn and him, one of the two. So, I think he's we're going to see him at WrestleMania again. So Which I'm completely okay with. I love watching this. Well, I just, I mean, how many, I just, I hate his worked punches. His worked punches are shit. And I, if it's not a garbage brawl, if it's not, some kind of stip match, which, look, okay, yeah, he had a great match with AJ, but that was working with AJ Styles. Well, that's what I'm saying. And, I mean, Kevin Owens is a good wrestler, but Kevin Owens and AJ had a feud this year that put me to sleep. Yeah. And I don't know who was to blame. They had some screwy finishes. They had some really bad moments in their matches. Yeah. But Kevin Owens is not AJ Styles. No one is AJ Styles. That man is a magician. That man went in there with Brock Lesnar, who had had stinkers, I think, uh, most of the year, outside of that fatal four-way, where he was carted out midway through, so he didn't have to work most of the match. But in his single match against Samoa Joe and his singles match against Braun, I thought Brock kind of looked sloppy. Yeah. And AJ got everything he could out of this guy. I mean, outside of the Goldberg match this year, I think Braun, or Brock has looked like shit. So I just think that if you're not working with AJ Styles, I just... I worry about the match quality. But if it's a garbage brawl, it'll be fun because he'll jump off something. Well, Patrick, by the time this episode is published, it will be 2018, and we'll start to see if some of these predictions come true. Yes. It'll be a new year. It'll be a New Year's Revolution, which is the show I picked. I picked the 2005 version, the first annual of three. New Year's Revolution, a Raw exclusive pay-per-view. January 9th, 2005, from San Juan, Puerto Rico, where uh, 2017 was a bad year for Puerto Rico. Uh, got hit with Hurricane Marina, completely wiped the country out. Power's still out in most of the country. Gas is hard to come by. Infrastructure's still damaged. It's going to take years and years for them to get fully back to strength. So I would actually like to see the company take one of the big four to Puerto Rico and have a four-night stand there because it's a place that you can get to. It's an island you can get to without a passport if you're an American citizen. Uh, it's actually very beautiful. People don't really think of it as uh, a beautiful tourist destination, but it really, really is. As someone, I've been there three times. You know, it's not Hawaii, but it's very, very beautiful. The water is clear. I went uh, snorkeling there. There's a casino there. There's tons of stuff to do. And I think it would be a great thing for the economy down there and also for the fans because Puerto Rico, going back to the Carlos Colon territory and even before that, many a great wrestlers came and worked in Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico has a rich wrestling history 
that is not being served because this was the first and only and last pay-per-view that WWE ever brought there. And it's strange because it sold out. And this Coliseum they were in, the Coliseum of San Juan, was just built in 2004. It was a brand new facility. And they never went back. I don't know why. Maybe because they had such bad luck with injuries at the start of the show for some reason. Now, the storyline heading into this match, that world championship, Big Goldie, the Raw belt, is vacant. Because on Raw, we had a double fall in a triple threat match between Triple H, Chris Benoit, and Edge. Edge and Chris Benoit. So Chris Benoit had Edge in the crossface. Meanwhile, Edge rolled Benoit over on his shoulders. So the ref counted a three while Edge tapped. So this made general manager Eric Bischoff strip the title completely, even though Triple H was the champion and was not involved in the finish. But the title's been held up, and Eazy, of course, with his own invention, the thing that in kayfabe he created, the Elimination Chamber is the only way to determine who is the true world heavyweight champion. So we're going to drag it to Puerto Rico, which mu- the shipping fees must have been enormous to get it uh, across the Gulf of Mexico and the Atlantic Ocean to go to Puerto Rico. But nevertheless, they did it. And that's what we have to look forward to tonight as we enter New Year's Revolution. Worldwide did 275,000 buys, a very good buy rate for early January. The Royal Rumble, which would happen later that month, Worldwide did over 564,000 buys, so uh, quite a difference. But the Royal Rumble is quite special, so there's nothing like it. And this year you get two of them, a women's and a men's. Yeah. Our dark match, we missed it. The Hurricane and Rosie defeated La Resistance, Rob Conway and Sylvian Grenier in a tag match in 513. That is too bad. Did not get to see that beautiful, wonderful match. The promo package to intro the show, someone will leave Paradise as champion in the Elimination Chamber. Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler are on the call. And Hugo Savinovich and Carlos Cabrero are here too, which is good because they speak Spanish in Puerto Rico, just in (laughs) case you didn't notice. Captain Charisma and Tyson Tomko are out first. It's time for the Raw Tag Team title match Yeah, against a guy we just mentioned last week, Eugene and William Regal. They're out to a terribly dubbed theme song. I don't know what their real theme song sounded like, but definitely not this. Sounds like shit. They are the tag team champions. It's true. Eugene is in a Hulkster shirt. So they must have come out to Real American, and he probably didn't want to pay for the rights, I guess. Regal and Christian start out and exchange shoulder blocks. Eugene tags in and tries to give Christian a wedgie. He then Hogan poses to a big pop. He then does the Rick Steiner pissing on his opponent spot, which also gets a laugh. Tomko tags in, and Eugene runs and hides under the ring. So this causes Christian to tag back in. Eugene sees the tag, runs in, rolls Christian up, and gets a two-count. Tomko chokeslams Eugene behind the ref's back. Tomko then tags in legally and power slams Eugene for two. But 
but uh-oh, this causes Eugene to start hulking up. Getting hulked. And Christian tags in and back body drops him. William Regal gets a hot tag, as does Tomko, and takes a disgusting clothesline from Tomko that totally wrenched William Regal's neck. I mean, he was lucky to escape serious injury here. Right. Well, he did get injured. Yeah. <laughs> at this point, his time, nose at this point in time, his nose is broke he, completely. He, he should have been wearing Trish's uh, nose protector because yeah. this was re-injuring an already broken nose, apparently. Yeah. Christian tags in and takes over the work on Regal, who has gotten his nose rebusted open from Monday's Raw. And it's pouring blood. Christian then rakes his nose, lovely, and Tomko decks him right in the nose. Tomko tags in. Tomko sucks chance breakout, in English. Regal lands some nice knees to Tomko. Christian takes Eugene out so Regal can't make the tag. Regal and Tomko fuck something up in the corner and they crash into each other. Tomko drops a knee on Regal, who finally makes the hot tag to Eugene. Eugene drop kicks Tomko and hurts his knee. But Eugene, on one leg, manages to roll up Tomko, win the belts, win the match. They had to redo this finish, basically, to work around Eugene's injury. Eugene suffered a ruptured left patella ligament, which required surgery and sidelined him for several months. Yeah. This also cost them the World Tag Team Championship which Regal lost when forced to defend. Guess who he got to sub with? Jonathan Coachman on oh. an episode of Raw. So a sad end to the team of Regal and Eugene, who had a lot of uh, a lot of babyface uh, heat here. They loved Eugene here. He was uh, aping on uh, Hogan's uh, stuff. People love that shit. People love impersonators and. Uh, it's unfortunate for Eugene Nick Densmore here that he hurt his leg because the match was going fine until that, and he actually injured it on the landing of the drop kick, not on the delivery. Um, up until that, I thought the match was going uh, okay. What'd you think? Oh, I uh, I enjoyed the match. I uh, I wish it could have gone a lot better and a lot smoother. Unfortunately, William Regal re-injured his nose and started bleeding pretty bad, and. Uh, and Tyson Tomko is sloppy as fuck. Which is why he's no longer with the company. Yes. And Another big man they had big dreams for that just dropped the ball. Didn't know how to work. And Eugene, uh, unfortunately getting hurt. It just, uh, it's, it was very sad. Yeah, it was going fine. Uh, other than Tomko botching everything, it was, it was going fine and it was a good opener. And I love Christian, uh, it's, Captain Charisma. It's and like you said, that clothesline, man. When Tomko hit that clothesline on Regal, the match went to shit that fast. Not only that, he botched a couple other things too. So yeah. Tomko just uh not a very good wrestler. Christy Hemi, she had a good day at the pool. Okay, thanks. Christian and Tomko yell at each other backstage and they run into Edge. Uh oh. Edge says, Christian, hey man, you can be the world champ if you go along with a plan. So Christian's like, Okay, I'll listen. How you feeling? Feel okay? What the hell do you care? I care. I care because I have an idea. It involves you. And I'm pretty sure you're going to like what I have to say. I mean, don't worry. You can trust me. Trust you? Yeah. Last time I trusted you, jumped me from behind when I wasn't ready. So guess what? It's payback time now. That's right. Tomko, kick his ass. Whoa, whoa, right. If you don't want to be world champion, that's fine with what? me. What? World champion? What are you talking about? I'm talking about my idea. Pretty sure you're gonna like what I have to say, so why don't you walk with me and listen to what I have to say? Yeah. And they walk off. 
Trish and Lita are wrestling over the women's championship next. A promo recaps how Trish made fun of Lita for marrying Kane and having a miscarriage. What a wonderful storyline. What a family heartwarming storyline this is. The first of two people fighting over a dead baby tonight. Yeah. Lita broke Trish's nose, so she has to wear the Cody Rhodes face protector is what I call it. Lita is a loser. How you doing? You doing all right? Because, I mean, I heard you're all pregnant and stuff. You look uh, a little chubby. I thought it was just plain terrible. You didn't even have a maid of honor. I even wore white because I knew that you could. Look, guys. It's a beautiful baby. Oh. <laughs> open your heart, just like you opened your legs. Lita, the walking kiss of death. Come Survivor Series, you're going to lose to me, just like you lost your baby. There's no reasoning with Lita after all the barbs that she suffered from Trish Stratus. Also, in this same feud now, Lita nearly nearly broke her neck. Yeah, she did a suicide dive, which it was on Raw. Was almost appropriately named because it was without a doubt one of the most ugliest landings I've ever she seen. She is in wrestling. very very reckless in the ring. I'll give her all the credit in the world for trying, but she is very dangerous. I love Amy. Amy's a great wrestler. I I've always been a fan of Lita. But this right here was one of the ugliest landings I've ever seen in my life. 
And so going into this match, I was thinking, man, please, we just had an injury from two, you know, kicking off the show. And you, you, you're showing, you know, both of these women suffered injuries in this feud alone. Let's just have a clean match. We're going to find out what happened. Well, I just think Lita is a reckless wrestler, and she's dangerous to herself, not to others so much, but her moonsault, she nearly necks herself every single time. I'm sorry. Like, it's it's cool to watch, but it's also at the same time, like, you can be a lot safer, and she's just not a safe wrestler. She never has been, and that's why she's retired. On an episode of Raw, she defeated Trish for the women's belt, uh, she won with a moonsault, but yeah, did a suicide dive and went in a little too hot and ran into the guardrail and then, yes, landed on her neck. Oh, it's time to rock and roll. Trish is out first. She gets no response from this Puerto Rican crowd, so her heel run is going pretty well then, I would say. Lita comes out and gets a decent reaction from Puerto Rico. I guess they remember her S.A. Rios days. Lita throws Trish out of the ring and hits a Thez press off the apron. And right here. Yes. As she hits this Les, this uh, Thez press. Lou Thez press is what I was trying to say. Her left knee, it uh, basically from her hip down was proportionate on the landing. But from the knee down... Just completely went almost 45 degrees outward. And it it just was very ugly to watch, especially when they showed it back in slow motion. It was a huge jolt to her knee. And, uh, we, I mean, we were, what, 20 seconds, 30 seconds in? <laughs> yeah, it was like the opening move of the match, basically. And that's it, man. She's done. She can't yeah. put weight on it. She can't wrestle. She can't. I, I, I'm going to give her all the props in the world. For, no, she was foolish, and the company was foolish for not ending the match right there. And Well, I mean, she battled through the pain just long enough to at least get a, a one, two, three. But, I mean, it was ugly. No, but then they made her walk out on her leg, and that's stupid. Yeah. They've gotten a lot smarter about this now. But Put her in a wheelchair and roll her out or something. Well, put her, or put her on a board, put her knee in a brace, and put her on a board. Trish rolls her injured friend back into the ring, mounts her, and gets some full mount punches. Then Trish attacks Lita's bad leg. Lita cannot stand, and Trish attacks her knee again. Lita tries a DDT, but her leg gives out on the attempt. Mercifully, Trish lands a chick kick and wins the belt as they change the ending of the match to at least have a winner. In the course of the match, Lita tore her left ACL. Yeah. So tore her ACL, and which led to the rush finish because she was supposed to have a long title run. Right. And this feud was going to continue, uh, but it did not. And then she would have to miss WrestleMania. She would be there as a manager, but not as a participant at WrestleMania 21. And I just thought it was crazy that you have two knee injuries back-to-back on a pay-per-view. I've never seen that happen. Like, yeah. Um, You've got two knee injuries and a broke nose all <laughs> in the first two matches. And then I say, yeah, the dumbass doctors then let Lita walk out on her bad knee. Now, as tough as you are, you don't do that because yeah. you're only going to damage it more. All right. I also thought it was funny. Jerry Lawler, for some reason, thought that the doctor on staff only spoke Spanish, <laughs> which I thought, like, they brought their own doctor, Jerry. He would know. He was he had a heart attack once. He knows that the doctors speak English. Well, that was after this. I know. So. <laughs> 
We take a look at the streets of old San Juan, and Lawler mentions how bad the drivers are, and he is correct. It is insane driving in Puerto Rico. You take your life on the line. Really? It's crazy, dude. It is. No one uses blinkers. No one gives a fuck. They just... And, like, I am... Like, I delivered pizza out here on these roads for six years, and yeah. I never had road rage. Very calm driver. And... I ended up snapping at my girlfriend one time because the pressure of trying to make your exit and then avoiding these crazy motherfuckers that are just flying. They've all got scratches on their car. They've like it's like war. It's like shit you see in like Mad Max. Yeah. Like it is just madness down there. And so Jerry Lawler was absolutely right. I don't know if he got to drive or Vince fed him that line, but he is right on the money. So I felt his pain here. But what I want to know is do the pools actually look as good as they did? Uh, they're not usually stocked with WWE divas oh, who are okay. taking their tops off. So uh, Maria, she was there. She was having a good day at the pool yeah, as well. Yeah, she was enjoying the pool as well. So uh... Gray-haired Eric Bischoff. We're in the gray era of Bischoff. He is with Edge. And Edge wants out of the Elimination Chamber. This is starting to feel like December to dismember for some reason here with us. Old switcheroo, bait and switch. As Edge says, hey, I've got a great idea. You know what? With Shawn Michaels as being the guest ref, he's going to screw me. So I know I can't win, Eric. So you know what? Put Christian in the match, and then whoever wins can fight me for the belt on Raw. Brilliant idea. Brilliant. You know, as much as I hated them taking Sabu out of December to dismember, I would have liked them to take Edge out of this match because I like Christian better. That's a very controversial statement, I'm sure amongst wrestling fans, because I know Edge gets all the props. He's the Hall of Famer, but I love Christian Cage, man. I was always a Christian guy, like, especially after he's cut his hair. Before he cut his hair, no way. After he cut his hair, Captain Charisma, yeah, he was my dude. I Christian was awesome. So I would have been for this change. I would not have been upset. Now, if I had paid for a ticket to see Edge and didn't get Edge, I would have been upset. <laughs> now, Bischoff says... No, 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 that won't be happening. You're in the match. See you later. So Edge walks out, and who does he happen to run into? It's guest referee Shawn Michaels. Yeah. Let me just try to see if I understand this correctly. All right. You want me to take you out of the Elimination Chamber match? You, you're telling me you don't want an opportunity at the World Heavyweight Championship? No, 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 it's not that. You see, I want, I want an opportunity at the world title more than anything in the world. But tonight with Shawn Michaels as the referee in the Elimination Chamber, I can't win the world title. I can't do it. He won't let it happen. He's going to screw me as soon as he gets the chance. So, so I look at it this way. Why should I put myself through hell? Why should I walk in to the most brutal match in this industry? Why should I do that? Why should I put my body through it? So I have an idea. You see, Christian and I, we came to a little arrangement. He can take my spot in the Elimination Chamber. What? Yeah. yeah. And then, whoever wins tonight faces me tomorrow night on Raw. Yeah, that way, everybody's happy. Everybody's happy, Eric. You have to do this. It's a great idea. It's the best idea guys. tonight. Come on. Uh, guys, the show has already started. So? Okay. I've got sponsors. I've got advertisers. There are 14,000 people out there that bought tickets for this event. There are millions of who, viewers. Who around. cares? Who cares about the millions of viewers? Who cares about the people out there? I care about me. All we need to do is take Shawn Michaels out of this match. Nobody cares about Shawn Michaels anyway. 
edge. There is no way I am making any changes in this match tonight. I didn't ask you to spear Shawn Michaels at Taboo Tuesday. That was your decision. Deal with it. This isn't fair to me, Eric. This is not fair to me. Eric, this is fair to me. You know I can win this match. You know I can do it. Well, well, look what we have here. Did it great, Sean? I know you have some concerns yeah, about just me. Just a few. referee in this match. Yeah. Look, it's an elimination chamber match. I only have two responsibilities. Yeah, what would Count, those be? Here we go. Count the pinfall and call for the submission. You have my word. Oh. I'm going to call this right down the middle. <laughs> I have your word. Like, that means so much. Right down the middle, fair and square. That's what you're telling me? Trust me. Now, if someone were to, say, provoke the referee by putting your hands on him, sure, I'm, I'd, I'd have to retaliate. And I do mean retaliate physically. And since we're on the subject, uh, if the opportunity should arise, <laughs> I have to admit, I'm going to enjoy counting your shoulders to the mat. Uno, dos, tres. Now, I was thinking about this on the way up up to the podcast studio today. Between the three of them, and I've, I've got, I might look this up at the end of the show. Out of Stone Cold Steve Austin, yes. Shawn Michaels, yes. and Mick Foley, yes. who has the record for guest refereeing? Who do you think? Say Mick. I think Mick has Can go it. Mick? Okay, yeah. now you got to look it up because I really want to know. I don't know if anyone's thought about this before. you got to think about Mix. Okay, Sean's done multiple. <laughs> Sean did the Taker and Triple H thing at WrestleMania. Sean did this match tonight. He did He did some back in the late 90s, though. When he was commissioner? Yeah. Austin did Brock and Goldberg. Austin did Lawler and Cole. Mick also refereed twice on... Uh... Uh, invasion. Mick refereed at WrestleMania X Seven. Right. It's tough, man. It's tough, man. You're right. I, I Austin's out. We know it's not Austin. Really? Yeah. Austin has maybe like three. Sean's borderlining. Didn't, the, didn't Austin do the hair versus the Trump match? Was yeah, that's it, what I'm he, saying. That was like his third one, though. Maybe four. He may have done four. <laughs> Sean and Mick are borderlining on the, the 10 to 15 range. <laughs> it's so. just these three guys are <laughs> always the get. Like, how many has Rock guest refed? Zero. Yeah. Like, you know, like, it's always these three guys for some reason. It's always a guest referee match when I'm refereeing, though. Because so. you are a celebrity. I am. So Sean says, hey, you know what? I'm going to call the match right down the middle. That's right. And Edge is like, okay. And then he says, unless I'm provoked. Which, in case, he will defend his self any means necessary. That's right. And if he's provoked, he'll enjoy counting Edge's shoulders uno, dos, tres. As Sean displays his limited Spanish ability. Now match of the night, ladies and gentlemen. Shelton Benjamin. Is out next. He's the Intercontinental Champion. He's taking on Maven. 
Maven won a six-man match and shocked Benjamin on Raw last month when he rolled him up and pinned him, a stunning defeat for Shelton in a non-title match. Maven is out next, and boy, he is bursting at the seams, and he is glistening. This man took the baby oil to the extreme tonight. I assume these guys had a lot of time to fill because the Divas match had to be cut short. So, they refused to fight. And Maven just walks around the edge of the ring. But the fans, they start booing. And to Maven's credit, he gets a lot of heat because they hate him. And he's not wrestling. So, he milks it some more. He walks around the ring. He finally grabs the mic, grabs a chair, stands on it, says, I got something to say to Puerto Rico. As they start chanting to him in Spanish, he says, I don't know what you're saying. I speak English. He says, and because I speak English and you don't, I'm going to talk real slow so you understand. He says, I need to concentrate and I can't concentrate with all this gibberish. Cale sus bocas, which means shut your mouths. So he stole a line from The Rock in Spanish. Maven then says, you know what, fuck it, I'll just go home. Yeah. So in this intercontinental title match, a match that could propel him to the next level of his career, he's he just, walking out on. He said, yeah, I'll just, I'll, you know, I'm only going to take on Shelton in the U.S. of A. Because he doesn't consider Puerto Rico the U.S. of A. He changes his mind and runs in. He slides in headfirst to a very quick, small package. By Shelton Benjamin. By Shelton Benjamin. One, two, three, Shelton Benjamin wins. So then Maven is not very happy with this. So he says, hey, I want a rematch right now. So Shelton just runs right back down the aisle, runs in, T-bone suplexes him, one, two, three, wins again. Yeah. This is like what we saw in the house show with Aiden English, basically. Yeah. Uh, this was uh, this was something. Yeah. It's amazing to think Maven isn't with this company anymore, huh? Think about what's just occurred on this pay-per-view. You've, you've had two matches end with fucked finishes because of injuries, and then you've had no match happen twice. Yes. This is the oddest start to a pay-per-view yes. that I have ever seen. So I'm glad I picked it because I can't remember a pay-per-view starting this oddly. The Divas, they're still poolside. They're applying sunscreen to one another. How nice. Chris Benoit is getting warmed up backstage. Jerry Lawler has left the booth to go get ready for Muhammad Hassan. JR will be in his corner. Muhammad Hassan beat up Lawler on Raw during a debate segment between Americans and Arab Americans. They choked Jim Ross with his tie, which would have gotten them fired in today's PGWWE. And they gave Lawler a bloody face. Shame on them. Todd Grisham is backstage with Muhammad Hassan and Davari. They have the same gimmick given to every Arab American wrestler, and they say that King and Lawler got what they deserve. They talk about how Puerto Ricans are second-class citizens, so they un should understand their plight. Tonight, it's your first-ever pay-per-view match, and you'll be facing a, certainly a veteran in the ring and Jerry the King Lawler. Are you nervous? 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 Look at him. Does this man look nervous, Muhammad? Tell him you're not nervous. I'm not nervous, Todd. I'm excited. I was excited to learn that I'd be wrestling here in Puerto Rico. Because if anybody knows what it's like to be treated like second-class citizens, it's the people of Puerto Rico. Puerto Rico isn't even good enough to be considered a state. It's a United States Commonwealth, which by definition means the people of this island, they're second-class citizens. 
So I thought if anybody could relate to what me, Kazro, and the Arab American people are going through, it would be the people of Puerto Rico. But I was extremely disappointed to find out that the people of Puerto Rico, they treat us exactly the way Americans treat us. Last night flying to San Juan, we were detained in the airport for three hours while they searched our luggage. And our hotel reservations, mysteriously lost. And Cosro, he had his wallet stolen in a restaurant. Well, if the people of Puerto Rico want to make an enemy out of Muhammad Hassan, they got it. Just like Jerry Lawler. And Jerry Lawler will be using his example to everybody who tries to treat us with disrespect. And later tonight, New Year's resolution, New Year's revolution will be ending. But my personal revolution will just be beginning. Hassan and Davari then come out. They're followed by Lawler and Jim Ross. So there is no commentary now for this match. Is None. Coachman and Grisham, I guess, just, they said, fuck it. We'll just stay back here. Zero commentary. It takes them forever to lock up. So we have seen, like, zero action in 30 minutes here as finally Hassan scoop slams Lawler five times. What an array of moves. Hassan gets in JR's face, so Lawler punches him. Lawler inside cradles Hassan, but Jack Doan was distracted by an exposed buckle that Hassan was working on, so he doesn't count. Hassan then locks in the camel clutch, transitions it to a front chancery, and Lawler punches his way out of it. Then Hassan goes right back to the camel clutch. Yes. He keeps it on for ages before just dropping it. Boring chance, also in English. They start breaking out as Muhammad Hassan vertical suplexes Jerry Lawler. After some really boring wrestling, Jerry hulks up, rips the straps down. The crowd actually fires up for this a little bit and hammers Hassan with strikes. Goes to the second rope and nails the big fist for a two count. Lawler then spike DDTs Hassan, but he gets to the ropes with help from Davari. Jim Ross threatens Davari, who runs away from JR. He's actually scared of JR. But this distracts Lawler, who gets hit with Hassan's flatliner. He stole Canyon's finishing move. So Hassan hits the flatliner, and one, two, three, Jerry Lawler loses in what was not match of the night, which was my least favorite match of the night. Hassan stands at the entrance and huffs and puffs. The flatliner's a great finisher, though. No, it's not. It looks terrible. It's you taking the brunt of the offense. I know, but I love it. It just looks... In my opinion, it looks really cool. It's Fast hitting, and you can put it on pretty much anybody. It's stupid. No one would pick that as their finisher. I would. Well, that's why you're going to go 0 147. Grisham is backstage with Batista. He says he's a wrecking machine. Randy Orton interrupts and says, Hey, Dave, are you going to go after the world title or just be Triple H's stooge? Are you going to kick Triple H's ass or kiss it? Batista says if he gets his shot, he's taking it. When you're in that elimination chamber, are you going to go after that world title? Or are you just going to be Triple H's stooge? What did you just call me? Come on, man, Dave, you know the deal. Triple H does not give a damn about you. 
Just like he doesn't give a damn about me, all he cares about is that world title. That's why he formed Evolution in the first place, man. That's why he recruited you and me to protect his ass. Now, I was in that Elimination Chamber match when I was in Evolution, and I helped Triple H win that title on the spot. And I'm gonna ask you about tonight in that Elimination Chamber match when it's you and Triple H. Are you gonna kick his ass? Or are you gonna kiss it? Time for a WrestleMania recall when Shawn Michaels ziplined into WrestleMania 12 and won the title. Thanks. Damn, that was a quick recall. Jim Ross is back and he he says, Well, we did we did the best we could. We didn't bring home the bacon. <laughs> Uh, we're, we didn't get the job done tonight. We did not bring home the bacon. And uh, we gave our best shot. That's all I can say. <laughs> That's his reaction. I love JR. Well. Didn't bring home the bacon today, boys. Did what we could. Got losers in the purse. Jerry Lawler has been replaced by Jonathan Coachman. Heel the coach, Coachman. Kane versus Snitsky is next. Okay. Oh, yes. The punt the baby story. Oh, line. I got a lot to say about this. It's not my fault. He walks out to the ring, and he's holding this baby, and you're not, from far away, nobody's seeing it because he's got it so wrapped up. So people are thinking it might actually be a real baby. No one thought that. So as he's in the ring on Raw, he's, you know, he's sitting there, and he's, like, rocking it, and he's talking about it wasn't his fault and all that. Then all of a sudden, he just drop kicks this baby out into the crowd. It's all he's known for is yeah. this one thing. Yes. I remember being a teenager watching this and my mother being in the room and my mother going, oh my God, is that baby okay? And I go, mom, it's fake. So it's quite hilarious to see that. Punting babies are just funny. <laughs> I'm glad you think so. I'm standing outside of Lita's hospital room door. Lita has been here all week fighting to keep her baby.
Year's Revolution. I'm going to make an official match between Gene Snitsky and Kane. Snitsky. It wasn't my fault. Yes, he did me. Snitsky is out first. Kane is out next. You know the story. I'll include the promo. A stare-down ensues. Ross says this will be bowling shoe ugly. They exchange strikes, and Kane scoop slams Snitsky, followed by an elbow and a leg drop and a blatant choke. Kane power slams Snitsky for two. Snitsky throws Kane outside and tries a pile driver on the concrete, but Kane back body drops him out of it. Kane's top turnbuckle clothesline is countered with a big boot. Snitsky uses his turnbuckle to abdominal stretch Kane through it, which is kind of a neat move. A scoop slam to Kane, and then, oh, the bear hug. Oh, boy. Kane hulks up out of it. Kane calls for the choke slam, but Snitsky counters him into a body slam. Kane does the Michael Myers sit-up spot a few times after kicks to the head. Then Snitsky tries for a chair shot, but instead eats a big boot from Kane. Kane throws Snitsky to the corner and lands multiple forearms and clotheslines, followed by a sidewalk slam. Kane hits his signature top turnbuckle clothesline, but Snitsky answers with a hot shot to Kane to slow him down and follows it up with a clothesline. It's the old double choke spot as Kane gets him by the neck and Snitsky gets him by the neck. And then he whips Snitsky to the ropes and botches a big boot as Snitsky just ran to him too early. Kane looks pissed about this, calls for the tombstone, and on Snitsky, this giant man, it looked nasty. And Kane tombstones Snitsky and takes revenge for his baby, which was punted into the crowd. And Kane wins the match, and Snitsky's career has pretty much come to a close. Yeah, yeah. It's just like Tom Coe, another big guy that was shit in the ring. Yeah, Snitsky just didn't... He didn't deliver the way in which I thought he could, because he was he was mean. Could have been like a Braun Strowman. Big, ugly... I mean, yeah, he really made you think he was going to be this, like, massive, huge superstar. And it just didn't work out. Promo for the rise and fall of the ECW DVD. What do you think of that DVD? Like I said, I would rank it as my favorite one. It's the one I've I've watched the most. I've watched it so much to where it barely plays. So Really? I love it. It's unedited as far as language goes. Yeah. Um, it is rated M for mature. It highlights most of... I mean, it takes time to individually recognize most of the faces associated with ECW. I mean, there's some notable misses. Like, I mean, they don't talk much about, like, Balls Mahoney. But for the most part, I think it's amazing. It's, it's yeah. probably the best... I mean, it's the reason the ECW came back. Yeah. So... I love it. I like the uh, the rise and fall of WCW. I don't like it as much as ECW's. Uh, but uh, the Monday Night Wars DVD is always good, too. But, yeah. King has returned to the booth. Now it's a three-man booth as Coachman's just going to stay with us. We go back to the pool at San Juan, thank goodness, and watch Divas take their clothes off. Simon Dean throws some dude into the pool. Then we see Chief Morley is in the pool with Stacy. And they all played what they called a chicken fight, which is where you put the women on your shoulders and fight. The world's longest promo for the Elimination Chamber airs. Who ended up winning the chicken fight? I'll include the promo for the Elimination Chamber. 
Who ended up winning the the uh, the chicken fight match? Oh, the chicken fight? I'm not sure because I skipped it. <laughs> Did you know? Okay. I didn't care about this. Uh, it ended up being uh, Christy Hemi and someone. I can't remember who. Maybe Simon Dean, I guess. Something. I don't know who all was out there. They got the good job. They didn't have to work tonight. No. They got to hang out the pool with the Divas. Yeah. So after the promo for the Elimination Chamber airs, we see the disputed finish between Edge and Chris Benoit. So Vince vacates the title and takes it away from his son-in-law, Triple H. The story here is dissension between Batista and Triple H, the Evolution members. Will Batista turn on Triple H? No, he won't. The chamber lowers and we go backstage where we see more dissension between Batista and Triple H with Ric Flair looking on. Eric Bischoff brings out the big gold belt and he talks about his greatest creation and he says, okay, time for the match. Jillian then goes over the rules. You know the rules of the match. Shawn Michaels is the ref, so he's out first. Everybody's Elimination order was predetermined in matches. Edge goes in pod one, Triple H in pod two, Randy Orton pod three, the Animal Batista in pod four. Now, Batista won the Beat the Clock Challenge, so he his pod will be open last. That's correct. So we get to start with Jericho and Benoit, which is awesome. The crowd woos for Flair, who is outside the chamber looking on, and then they woo for huge chops from Benoit to Jericho. Man, he Man, lit him up. He did. A big back elbow and more nasty chops continue before Jericho gets his chops in, which were not nearly as vicious. Benoit looks for a sharpshooter. Jericho counters it into a lion tamer, but then Benoit gets Jericho in a German suplex. Tries for a crossface, but then Jericho looks for the walls again. A belly-to-back suplex for a two-count from Jericho. Then HBK chants break out. More vicious chops to Jericho, followed by a superplex, which take both men out. Triple H's pod opens up, so he goes right after Benoit, flings him into a turnbuckle back first, and then hits a high knee to Jericho, then throws Benoit's sternum first into the turnbuckle. Jericho chops Triple H multiple times before Triple H slows him with a clothesline. Benoit is flung to the steel by Triple H, and then into the chains. Then Triple H throws Jericho onto the steel floor, so Triple H is cleaned house here. Benoit is now bladed from the chains, and H helps open up the cut with strikes. How lovely of you. H throws Benoit back into the cage for a two-count. H looks for a pedigree, but Jericho makes the save. H tries a pedigree on Jericho, but gets back body-dropped onto the steel floor. Then Jericho drops Triple H onto the steel back first. A swinging neckbreaker to Jericho from Benoit, then Edge's pod opens up. A spear to Jericho, a spear to Triple H, an execution DDT to Triple H gets a two count. A belly to belly to Benoit and a back body drop to Triple H before Jericho finally slows his momentum with a drop kick. A springboard drop kick from Jericho to Edge on the steel is next, followed by a knee lift to Benoit from Jericho, who then goes after Edge, who gets catapulted into the steel and then... Blades from that, so yeah. now Jericho is bleeding. Triple H wants to pedigree Edge on the steel, but gets catapulted into the chains. Edge shoulder blocks Benoit off the top turnbuckle. Benoit goes for the cross face, but Edge elbows his way out of it. A running Insiguri to Edge from Jericho for a two count. H now has a bloody nose, which is odd that he bladed his nose, but okay. I think he actually just 
bounced it off something and busted it open. He hits the Arn Spine Buster to Jericho for a two count. Then Benoit hits a Northern Lights Suplex to Edge for a two count. A pedigree to Jericho, but H is too tired to capitalize. The countdown is up and Randy Orton is out next. He hits a high cross off the top turnbuckle and then punches to Triple H. Randy throws H into the cage and stays on him with strikes and kicks. Then we get an RKO out of nowhere to Jericho. Tries one on Benoit, but Benoit catches him in the crossface. Triple H taunts him as he's in the crossface and smacks him around, which I thought was a great spot. Then we get an RKO to Benoit as Randy fights out of the crossface. Edge wants to spear Randy, but accidentally, oh no, runs into Shawn Michaels instead. Yep. He spears Orton, but the ref can't count because Shawn's recovering from the spear. Edge smacks Shawn around, wants him to count. Don't smack Shawn Michaels around. No, because out of nowhere, bam, super kick. Jericho a hits a lion salt, yeah, and Edge gets salt. the one, two, three. Shawn Michaels had some very fair three counts. He did not fast count Edge. No, he, he was he was consistent this whole match. So yeah, he was, was a great ref. H tries a pedigree on Jericho, but Triple H gets caught in Benoit's German suplexes. He calls for the headbutt off the top of a cell pod and nails it. Yeah, that was ugly. Then Jericho locks in the walls of Jericho, and Chris Benoit locks in the crossface to Triple H. Triple H should have immediately tapped out here. This really pisses me off because there is like 20 seconds on the timer until yeah. Batista is out. Yeah. There is no way Triple H well, no, could have survived No, not just 20 long. seconds on the timer. Then the referees screw around and take longer to open the pod than they should have. Yeah. To, so it looked really bad. It looked He was in it for at least a good minute. And so he's Superman. He should have, yeah. So finally, when Batista is free, he runs wild and hits a spine buster on Orton. Batista sees Triple H and poses, but the others stop him before they lock up. Batista press slams Jericho into a cameraman, which was a cool spot. Running power slam to Benoit from Batista. Then Benoit chop blocks Batista's knee out from him as he was choking Orton. The chamber is open so they can get the cameraman out of the chamber. They close the door behind him and Jericho bulldogs Triple H into the steel. Batista then spine busters Jericho onto Benoit and then covers Benoit. So Chris Benoit is the second eliminated from the chamber. Yeah. A Batista bomb to Jericho and Jericho is eliminated. So now all we have is the former evolution and it's two on one basically. And this is when they make Randy look like a star, even though he loses this match. Randy gets the shit beat out of him. Catapulted into the chains by Triple H. Randy's now bleeding. Triple H and Batista continue to beat the shit out of him. A power slam, a spine buster, but Orton kicks out of both. Triple H clotheslines him inside out, but he kicks out at two. Orton tries to fight back and low blows Batista. RKO out of nowhere eliminates Batista. It's Randy's night. How could he lose now? Oh, I was, after that, I was thinking, hell, he's got it. So Orton throws Triple H into the cage a few times, hits an RKO, but Batista and Flair, despite this being an elimination chamber, the concept of keeping people out, they couldn't keep out Batista and Ric Flair, who distract Shawn Michaels. Rick runs in because the door is open for Batista to leave. Right. So Rick runs in, 
Sean to keep him out, sucker punches him, starts putting the boots to him. While Sean's doing that, Batista's still in, you know, he just got eliminated, but he's still in the ring. So he sneaks in, hits this unbelievable clothesline. Out, I mean, it looked like a clothesline from hell on Randy Orton. Then proceeds to get back up, play like he's hurt, and him and Rick get out of the ring. H. Pedigrees Orton. One, two, three. And that young and up-and-coming Triple H wins that big gold belt again. It's rough, man. <laughs> it's rough. Well, it's just Triple H. It's- this is a long, long, long run for Raw. In of just H. nothing but Triple H. Yeah. Anytime someone got some momentum, belt back to Triple H. Yeah. Anytime you thought something different was going to happen, get that belt back to Triple H just as soon as possible. And I I don't know if it was Vince telling, calling the shots or if it really was Bischoff pulling the Hogan bullshit like he no, did. No, it was, it, it was Triple H and Vince. You think and, so? Yeah, and I mean, I'm sure it was also their idea to put Taker on SmackDown that way that there's no denying who the top dog is here on this show, and it stunk. This match stunk because I think someone else should have won the belt. Based on how it was booked, Randy should have won the belt. But this was building towards, of course, the big Batista Royal Rumble win and the thumbs down on Triple H yeah. and the WrestleMania showdown where Batista would be crowned champion. So, a uh, very... It's sort of similar to December 2 Dismember where I think the wrong guy won. Yeah, this this kind of sucked to see. I mean, it seems like every match I watch with Triple H, he wins. So. Sort of like Roman Reigns, I guess. Sort of like John Cena. Sort of like Hulk Hogan. But aside from that, the match was fantastic. Um, yeah. Just like, just like I said with December to Dismember, if you, took, if you take away the booking... And what we know about Triple H in this era of Raw and this era of Triple H, this would be a fine match. I wouldn't have anything bad to say about it. The guys did a lot of great stuff in there. There wasn't, I mean, it wasn't Goldberg spearing through the pod, which was an awesome. Yeah. There wasn't like any like OMG moments or whatever. But it was a solid. I don't know, match. man. That headbutt from the top of the, the pod was pretty wicked. But it was a solid match and uh, featured. Outside of Green Batista and Green Orton, hell of workers. I mean, Jericho, Benoit, and Triple H all in there. Edge. I like Christian better, but yes, Edge was... He yeah. was coming into his own at this point in time. He, he was, was improving. And you had a special guest referee in Shawn Michaels, which I'm now going to look up that stat to see if I can figure out. Well, who's the guest ref the most. Dun, dun, dun. I'm just looking at it. Some random message board, and let me show you how many clips there are of Sean being a special guest referee. There's one. Yeah, I know. It had to have been two, Sean. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, at least. Yeah. I said 10 to 15 now, for, for Sean or Mick. Okay. Well, I, this is something that's going to take a lot of research. We but. are going to, by the start of the new year, have this answer for you. It's between Sean and Mick. Yeah. But they've all done it quite a bit. So, this pay-per-view overall, very, very weird for me. Uh, Just bizarre. 
up until Kane and Snitsky, so really the last two matches, I would say skip this thing. And it's not because of the performer's fault. They got injured the first two. And then Maven and Shelton Benjamin, even if it was supposed to be booked that way, I mean, I'm sure they stretched it out because of the way the other matches ended and they needed to fill time. Even if it was booked to be just a quick, they should have just kept it like that. Find some other way to fill time. The Muhammad Hassan match, I need some commentary. It was like I, my mind left my body. I'm I'm against you on that. I actually enjoyed the fact of a live. It, it felt exciting to have a live match going on on television with no commentary because it made it seem more of a a real factor. It gave it. It gave you know what? But not when the crowd's silent. Oh well, yeah. That's what killed it for me. The main event, though, very good. Tomko fucked up the first match. Unfortunately, Lita got hurt. Maven, they had high hopes for and decided to put some shit on his back and make him pull this one out of his ass since the first two ended so shortly. I don't think it turned out the way it should have. Uh, Lawler Hassan, I actually did enjoy, believe it or not. Um, Kanan Snitsky, I feel like there should have been some sort of a gimmick because that was just too much of a... I just didn't feel it. You know oh, I feel like if Lita hadn't got injured in the earlier match, she would have been involved in this one. That's I almost feel like this booking was changed as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it needed a stip. Yeah. You would think punting my fake baby into yeah. the audience would call for a stip. Yeah. They already had the chamber, so... And then uh, the elimination chamber was good. and uh, It delivered. It delivered. They, like you said, they threw two guys pretty green out there and said, "Here's your role. You either put up or shut up." And they del- they pulled, they put up, and they delivered. They, hey, we want this spot. We're going to take this spot. And even in a loss, they had made Randy Orton look good. And this is after they gave him the the belt at SummerSlam the year yeah. before and took it right off of him. Right. So they had already done the damage, but at least they were rebuilding him. Um, but as far they. They never, they were never able to rebuild Chris Benoit, and I mean we know how that ends. But, um, and for that matter, Chris Jericho. I mean, this guy deserved way more than what he got. And when he's headlining Wrestle Kingdom this year, you'll see what they've been missing. So, yeah, I would love to be able to actually just do commentary for that one match live. So on your rating scale of Hornswoggle to Giant Gonzalez, New Year's Revolution for the New Year 2018. Happy New Year, buddy. Happy New Year, my man. Where do you rank this show? I'm going to give it a very short but beautiful Trish Stratus. I'm just going to give this a Eugene, Eugene with the puffy hair. Before he got his hair cut. So, Nick Dinsmore, uh, as this, you really just need to watch the main event, in my opinion. You know, it's funny that you said Eugene and haircut in the same sentence. You want to know why? Because my pick, our next show, to kick off the new year, we are going to Taboo Tuesday, 2004, the very first. Taboo Tuesday of all time. We're going to see what this whole new idea is of a pay-per-view during the week. 
chosen is this the one that was chosen by the viewers? Fans choose every stipulation. Oh, of course, yeah. Fans choose every special uh guest involved. Everything. And they wouldn't make it to where the choices would be obvious, would they? They wouldn't no. do anything like no. that. So we'll check out Taboo Tuesday from 2004. We'll do that in two weeks as we take our New Year's vacation. Thank you for a great 2017 of the Retro Wrestling Podcast. Wanted to briefly mention our stats for the year on the Retro Wrestling Podcast for 2017. These are just our SoundCloud numbers. We had 2,893 listens. Our most listened to show was... WWE WrestleMania 20, which had 146 listens, which is partially because I promoted it on Penny's Murder, She Spoke podcast. So if you found it that way, thank you. If you found our show that way, thank you very much. Our second most listened to show this year was the Four Horsemen Reunion with 92 spins on SoundCloud. And our third most, for some reason, people were interested to see how DDP won the world title. At Spring Stampede 98. I don't know how it ended up that way, but that is your you know You know how it ended up that way? It's Bam Bam Bigelow and Sandman right there on the front entryway jumping off of a, uh, a carriage. Jumping off that carriage, yeah. Did it all. Wanted to congratulate John Pollock and Wei Ting for starting postwrestling.com. Although I am a little bummed because in order to hear their retro reviews, which is what you and I do, Patrick, you have to pay $5 a month with their Patreon. So I don't know how many of those I'm going to be doing. So we'll just keep doing what we're doing, but I'm very proud of those guys. They had a tough year. Uh, Anthem and live audio wrestling really screwed them over. So I'm glad they started something new. And uh, they're the reason I started this. So congratulations to them. And that'll do it for this week. I'm intern Alex. I'm the one and only, the greatest referee in professional wrestling history, Patrick Young. Saying, as always, my closing line's a clothesline. Bingo. Bingo. <laughs>